Holy Spirit, thank you for um, Di and for the message that um, you've been speaking to her and been preparing her for this morning for us. I just ask that um, you'd be speaking to us individually and collectively about um, about what you want to say to us this morning and that we would have um, really soft hearts to hear it and for it to land deep. Um, thank you in your name. Amen. Good morning. How y'all doing? All right. You had a good week? Okay week? Yeah. Can you believe it's the end of January already? Uh, I'm just like, oh my gosh, we're heading into February. Next time I see you here, it'll be February. Um, we are uh, really enjoying just the energy that seems to be upon us as we're gathering back together. And so if you're new with us, we are just welcoming you to join in with whatever God's doing for you. Would you come and join with us? And if you've joined us today just for a visit, so good to have you here. I'm um, picking up today on the theme that we've been starting January with and the new year with, with everyone has a story. And so last we looked at the promises of God and the reality that God is who he says he is in our lives. And we took an opportunity to do something quite practical, and that was to write a letter to the Father to say, God, this is what I would like to request of you, what I need of you, and this is what I want to commit to. If you missed that last week, um, it's online, you can see the message, but if you would like to write a letter to the Father, there's a little purple tub at the back where you can grab that grab an envelope, write a letter, but we're actually replying to ourselves. So you'll seal it in an envelope. And then in 10 weeks time, the week of Easter, I will pop that in the mail and you will receive that letter back and you'll be able to see all that the Father has done for you. So it's something that's just between you and God, but we're welcoming that that would be something that we believe God's going to do in terms of your life and how, how he's wanting to communicate with you and speak to you. As you just say, Lord, here I am. This is what I want to see. This is what I would like to invite into my life. So today we're going to be looking at not just the, entering the year with God's promises, but entering the year with Jesus so that he's the one that it's all about. And as we've been singing today, we really want to make sure that we're following him in every way of our life. And you know what's so hilarious is that each week when we gather together, whichever church you would go to, whether it's this one or another one, they're all stages and phases of development in our spiritual life, but also in life in general. So right across the room here today, we've got people of all ages, we've got people of all stages of maturity in terms of their faith. Some people are just discovering who Jesus is and others are walking with him, the long obedience in the same direction, as Eugene Peterson would say. And we recognise that with faith, one size does not fit all. Have you noticed that? The way that he, Jesus related to the disciples, one size does not fit all, but one king holds us all. And so today, come with your story, but recognizing that you're part of a bigger story as well. So the next slide is entering the year with Jesus. And there we are. You're going to hear some language that is from one of my favorite authors, because I've been reading over the summer, a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. 
man and he's um, a really good communicator. And one of the questions that he asked in his books is, what would it look like if we were joyfully stubborn and immovable about fixing our eyes on Jesus? What would that look like for us in your phase of life, in your chapter that's being written right now? What would it look like for your faith in Jesus to be stubborn and immovable in all that's going on? And so we're going to look at Hebrews 12 today. We're going to look at what was the climax of a chapter of faith in Hebrews 11. If you'd like to turn to Hebrews 12, you are welcome to do that on your your Bibles. Last week, we had a bit of a, a bit of a poll about who writes in their Bibles. And that was if you have a paper Bible with you. And we had some paper Bibles here. Is anyone else this week brought a paper Bible? Hands up. Some of you? Yeah, couple of you. We're, the rest of us are all electronic, are we? Or looking on the screen. I'll have it on the screen for you as well. So here the author of Hebrews is really aware that the people that are reading his letter, the people that are receiving this sermon, this message that he's writing, that they are in danger of being weary. Anyone felt weary in your faith at times? They're in danger of whatever they're facing, the context that they're facing, was full of intimidation and persecution and all sorts of threats that were going on, some from their neighbours and some from their friends. And so Hebrews is a great letter of chunks of teaching encouragement, teaching encouragement. And so we're going to pick it up with some of that encouragement today. And he, the author of Hebrews is saying, this is like a long distance run that you're in. And so we're going to have a look at verse 1 in chapter 12. And let's read that. I'm sorry, I'm making someone cry already. Can we bring the tissues over here? It's just like church, isn't that great? <laughs> Let's read chapter, uh, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me just pray. Father, thank you that your word is living and that you've given that living word, not only through Jesus, but you've given us this word today to encourage us. So I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, would you allow these words to land where they need to land in your name? Amen. So the context is we've just got a whole chapter, Hebrews 11, where we've been looking at what does it look like to have faith, immovable faith, steadfast faith. There's a grand list of people there in Hebrews 11. And the author's saying there's a cloud of witnesses, cloud, which is another word for crowd. There's a crowd watching on. And, you know, that whole long list of Hebrews 11, they're humans, right? Did you know that? They're humans. They were human. Let that stick with you. These are a list of Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Reb, and these people of faith had a nature that is just like ours, and they trusted God. 
And so today we're going to be looking at what is it like to be realising that the reality is that there is a crowd cheering you on and cheering us on. And they believe that God keeps his promises and they believe that God is who he says he is because they were human and they lived it. And Hebrews 11, you can read all about that. The image that we're seeing today is about running a race and the crowd is watching. If you want to think about what that might feel like, Australian Open right now, right? The crowd is really for and the person that's going to, that they want to win. But this crowd is cheering everyone on. There's no booze. There's no, oh, bad luck, you missed it. It's like, come on, this is a run, a run that is going to end well for you. The crowd is cheering us on, watching a race. And so we have a great cloud of witnesses around us. And what we must do is just put aside heavy weights and the sin that is so easily getting in the way and run the race in front of us. It's set for us. Did you know that God has already, Jesus has already set the race for you, for us? And this whole language is, you're not alone. It's an us. There is an us that we are a part of that is so much bigger than what we realise, but also an individual race is what he's calling us to run as well. So here we have humans, they believed it, they did it, and this is so encouraging for us to know that the race was set for them, they ran it, and they were commended for it. And now they are the ones cheering us on and encouraging us. And then today God's saying to you specifically, there's a race set for you. There is a race, and it's not a sprint. It's long distance. It's a long race, and you need to run it with endurance. And he's saying, don't worry about others that are falling away. Don't worry about others that are not running alongside you anymore. You're not alone. And today I want you to hear that. You're not alone. There are people of faith that are living before us, that are calling us in our race. So let's have a look at the next slide. What's the first thing that we're here? Throwing off everything that hinders as you run the race. So again, this metaphor of running it's referring, to, um, it's referring to anything that's weighty, anything. And in training, runners in those days used to actually train with weights. And some of you might do that as well if you're a runner, so that you're conditioning and strengthening yourself so that when you are in the race, you're going to just fly because you're going to feel so light and free. And today, I want to say we're not in training. This is your race, YOLO. Your life is now. <laughs> you only live once. And so the race is on. The race has started for us. And we are to lay aside anything that's getting in the way. Now, you might say, ah, there's nothing holding me down. There's no sin holding me down. What if it's not sin? It's just something that's holding you down that is actually needing to be lifted off you. It's getting in the way. You know, it's not sin to swim with a bowling ball tied around you. That's not a problem. It's just stupid. If you swim with a bowling ball around you, that's just that's not going to work, right? And often we think that there are things that are, it's okay, I don't need to deal with that, but it's actually hindering you. It's actually slowing you down. It's okay, 
but it's not helping you run the race. So my question today is, is there anything that's slowing you down that's like a a bowling ball around your leg that's stopping you from running your race that's been marked out for you? Cast it off. Get rid of it. Don't take it with you. Anything that's keeping you from running this race. Now, I don't know what that is for each of you. The Holy Spirit will tell you that. And I think that all I want to offer to you is this moment right now to say, Lord, is there anything you want to show me that is heavy, that I'm carrying, that doesn't need to travel with me in race? And at the end of today, if you want to respond to that, because he is speaking to you, we'll have an amazing, eager ministry team that will be over here at the end of the service. And they'd love to pray with you. And just see that lifted off you so that it doesn't travel with you any further. So throw off each weight. And again, as I said last week, life groups are such a great place where each week or each fortnight when our groups meet together, you've got people that are running the race alongside you that are also to encourage you. And they're going to help you say, yeah, let's just pray about that. Let's lift that off. You don't need to carry that any further in your race. So life groups are a great way of practically living out, running your race together with others and being encouraged. And our life group leaders, they are so invested in you, in caring for you, in making sure that there's a space for you to travel with others as you run your race. And so I just encourage you, if you haven't yet joined a life group and you'd like to, give it a try for term one. They'll be kicking off as starts. A lot of the groups will be starting as well. And if you'd like to find out more about how to join a life group, just let us know. We'd love to help you find your way so that you're running the race with some others that are cheering you on as well. Next slide, the sin that so easily entangles. So again, this metaphor of running your race, the image of running your race of a runner. And they didn't kind of have the same sports gear as we have these days, did they? They had really long robes, which were hard to run in. And so the Hebrews' image is that the, look, speaking to the Greek custom of take your clothes off and run without anything entangling you. A bit different to how we would expect to be running. But basically, today, the Lord's saying, is there anything tangling you up in the way that you're walking with him? Is there anything that's getting in the way, constricting your movement in the way that you're walking with him, clinging closely to you, obstructing you? It might be small or it might be something that's quite large. And he's saying today, get rid of it, bring it to me. Let's get rid of that so that you can run freely. And for some of you, some of you, it might be this a big deal. It's a big deal. For some of you, there's stuff that's kind of secret that you've not really shared with anyone. And for some of you, I just want to encourage you that it's time to lift the lid. You're in a safe place with Jesus. He wants you to be free. And as you fix your eyes on him, you only see love. And he'll take that stuff, that stuff that weighs you down, the stuff that you've not talked about to anyone. He's really trustworthy and he loves you. And so if there's anything that has started in your life that's been a compromise, maybe it's small and it got bigger and bigger until you find that you're so entangled you can't actually move forward in your life of faith, 
just want to encourage you, start the new year with Jesus and allow him to lift the lid on that. Because a lot of us say, oh, it's all right, I'll just keep going. And I want to say as lead pastor here, please don't. Please don't just keep going. We want you to be free to run your race because God has set that for you. And there's a lot of pitfalls set for each of us that live by faith because we have an enemy that does not want us to run with Jesus, see him in our life. And so we just want to pray with you, walk with you in life groups. We want to be part of your community that will allow you to be free of that if that's an issue that you're aware of today. So get rid of it, lay it aside, anything that easily entangles This race is set for us, and this race is set for you. You have a race to run, and no one else is going to run the same race that you're running. That just so excites me. So excites me to know that every person in this room is going to have a different lane to run in. And so part of being a part of a local church is we want to see all those gifts and those strengths so that you'll be able to run freely, rising those things to the surface and living in connection with what Jesus is saying for your race. And even I recognise that we are really good at looking at other lanes and seeing someone's running faster, right? Or me or someone's doing something that I want to do and I can't quite do it. (laughs) So I just want to encourage us today that you have a run, stay in your lane, Learn what your gifts are and use them to the max for the glory of God because you're going to just feel so free and so purposeful as you walk with him, run with him and move towards all he's called you to. So as a local church as well, simply all we want to say is be faithful with the people that are around you, in front of you, reaching our world, reaching your world with Jesus. So whatever your world looks like, that's where he wants you to run. Love people, serve them, work hard with your hands, be generous and kind. That's all we're called to do and make disciples. Introduce others to Jesus so they can also be a disciple of Jesus. Now, I want to just share a bit of a personal story about running a race. And part of it is my race that I'm running, which some of you know and some of you won't. And I need to preempt it with a little bit of an image that's not running, all right? So first thing is, have a look at this picture here. I want you to think about this. Yeah, two elephants. For the purposes, let's say they're male and female, just for today, all right? And let's take these two elephants, let's put them in your garage, okay? It's all solid, it's okay, let's imagine they're in your garage, they've got plenty to eat, plenty to drink, and you shut the door on them, and then they are happy as Larry. You come back three years later, open up your garage door, And what comes out? Not two elephants, but three elephants. There's one little baby elephant that's happened over those three years. Let's do another image. Imagine we've got this next picture, rabbits. Same garage, same three years. Instead of putting elephants in there, we're going to put two rabbits. Let's pretend that they're all happy as well, happy as Larry. And at the end of three years, you open your door and you better run for your life because you are going to have millions of rabbits in three years, right? 
There is something about what happens when life comes. We need to run our own race, all right? And there's a book that I've been reading called The Rabbit and the Elephant, which is why you're getting this analogy. And they talk about the fact that there are things that are changing in churches across the world. And things are changing from being event-based to relationship-based. So stick with me. Elephants, 22 months it takes. Nearly two years, women all go, oh. Nearly two years of gestation for a pregnancy until there's a little baby elephant. 22 months. Rabbits, on the other hand, 30 days. And they can have one to 12 all at once. Pretty cool, right? Pretty, pretty fertile. But guess what? The baby rabbit at six months old can then start reproducing as well. The city of Miami actually did a study about four years. So I was using three years. Let's do four years. A family of four elephants would appear in four years. Four elephants, male and female rabbits, in four years. They did a study. 1.8 million in the same amount of time, rabbits. This is why we say they breed like rabbits, okay? Now, elephants take a long time to reach maturity and to have long pregnancy to produce one single elephant. Rabbits are fertile all the time and they, within 30 days, can breed like rabbits. Got it. So, what I, why am I saying this? Something large and complex is hard to reproduce. It takes time. Things that are small and simple multiply easily. Disciple-making can be both of those things, but we right now are experiencing reproduction, multiplication. We're seeing life come to us a little bit more like rabbits than elephants. Let me give you an example. Before, when, when I came to this church, I was worship leader, and then I was worship coordinator, and then I was worship pastor. And during that time, I had the joy of working alongside, equipping many people to run their race in the area of worship ministry. So all the songs that we're singing today, we were doing that with Vineyard Victoria, the first church that we were here. Bit of a history lesson here. This was the first vineyard in Victoria. And so it was a privilege and it was amazing. And as things grew and as more worship has happened, more churches planted from this church. And also I got to go to other countries where the same thing was happening in other countries, exactly like what's happening here. And I got to learn so much, got to sit in so many environments where all of a sudden I found that I was in strategic conversations about nations that were about to start recording songs of worship. And I was just learning on the journey, running my race, and I found myself in this opportunity to be working with eight other nations that held vineyard churches. How do we get these songs out? History lesson. So on the, on the screen, you'll see that the Americans had a series called Touching the Father's Heart. These are the first three volumes. This is like decades ago. This was before the time that I entered this, this race with the vineyard. And this series had on it no faces of people. 
they chose deliberately that this was going to be multiplied, but it was going to be about Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so the decision was that even though it was multiple worship leaders and songwriters, titles would be unto the king. The titles would be, we exalt your name. And so we watched this grow like rabbits. We watched songs multiply. We learned to these songs of the heart that were part of our movement. And we realized it wasn't about us. It was about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I'm getting emotional because all of a sudden an elephant appeared. It was called the worship industry. An elephant grew out of that. And what we now know is quite different to the simplicity of just worship leaders that in the vineyard we started and they weren't in studios. Songwriters were sitting in prison fellows leading worship at prison fellowships. I'm pointing to Ian because that's what he's doing. Or they're in small groups with their guitar singing their hearts out simply and saying, oh, is this song accessible to everyone in my small group? I need to tweak it so that everyone can join in. Or they were in places where they were feeding the poor and they got that whole prayer on their heart of going, Oh, Lord, help. There's so much need. We need your mercy. So they'd write a song, and that would become a prayer that we'd all sing. That was what we joined up for. That's the heart of what we carry and steward. And that's what I had the joy of just finding myself in as a worship pastor, a worship coordinator. What do we do with all these songs of the heart as we sing them to Jesus and as they reproduce? And so... <clears throat> The worship industry is wonderful. We've got so many songs available to us. But I want to use this as an example that sometimes reproducing big things can tangle you up, trip you up. So when we had people coming over from all those different nations, because I'd met all these worship leaders and said, come and help us equip the Aussies. We're just starting. We've never done this before. Come and work with our musicians and our songwriters. And all of a sudden, they had contracts with Sony and all sorts of other big industry that restricted them from travelling to do the things that we used to do. So I say all that, that it got messy and complex I'm not saying it was all bad, but that was our journey. And why am I sharing that now? Because songs are coming again. In December, I don't know if you're aware, I went to Queensland as part of the national board meeting. And when I was there, the Sunday afternoon we had off, so we've done church, we've done the meetings, and there are a whole bunch of song people, songwriters, that had found a friend wrote a song, a friend from a vineyard church, and they had in their local setting with their pastors and with their, <laughs> their musicians, they'd rewritten this song. And all of a sudden, this song had life in it. And so they gathered some of their friends who are worship people in other churches, and they recorded that song. And when I was in Queensland, I got to see where that was recorded and where, what stage they were up to. And I'm sharing that because there was a peer network with the same heartbeat for worship that said, we don't need an elephant to reproduce and to share this song. We just need to do 
what we can. And so they offered all the gifts generously. Musicians offered their time to record. And all of a sudden we have a song that in the next month or so we'll be able to reproduce and we'll be able to sing it as well. And part of that is because people stepped out to invest in the lane that they ran in. We needed someone that had a studio already set up, a home studio under their staircase that works really well. We needed musicians that were running their race and we all needed people that were helping to review theologically that song, helping to review the lyrics. Is that the best way to do that song? And so we chose in December... Rather than waiting for four years for an elephant to reproduce, let's just produce this one song and see what happens. And so now the invitation will go out to anyone else that might have a song that they've written because of their journey, their race with Jesus. They've fixed their eyes on him and things are coming out of their lives that are fresh and amazing and have life on it. And I share that as part of my race so that I just want to request, could you pray with me about this? Because it's really quite exciting, but we're just being very calm about it and saying, thank you, Lord. What's the next step? Thank you, Lord. We see life there. What's the next step? Who do we invite into this? What's the next step? So that's my journey. Would you join me in praying about that as we watch songs arise from our beautiful worship leaders and songwriters? You in that with me? Cool. Thank you. So all that to say, as a church right now, we are also experiencing life in different ways. And you heard by our announcements, there's a lot of things that we can step into. Invitation from the Father. And I'm just saying right now that as we do that, we can expect that there's going to be new things continuing to emerge. Because as we follow Jesus, run our race, he'll do stuff. And so would you be praying about those things? Would you be praying about these things, growing in faith, offering hope and acting in love, that that would be a true vision and mission, um, life-producing statement for us, that that's what we're going after? As we lead our quiet life or our busy life with our eyes fixed on Jesus, throwing off all that entangles, he's going to do stuff. Next slide. He, the author. So in the version that we read, we saw that he was the foundation, the founder. But we're going to look at, because we're saying everyone's got a story, we're going to look today about what does it mean if Jesus is the one we're fixing our eyes on and he is the author of your faith. Why do I believe in Jesus today? It's because he started something. He did it. He started something in my life and he did that with you as well. Now, where's Ben? Here's Ben. He's an author. He wrote, let's say I grabbed your book, The Ephesus Scroll, and I said, I wrote this. This is so good. And Ben's sitting there as the author. I should be giving credit to him and picking up the book and saying, this is Ben, the author, as I just did, and say he has written a number of books. I don't take credit for it. He does. Jesus is the author of your faith. No one else takes credit for that. People run alongside you, but he's the author of your faith. 
And the best way that you can encourage others, leaders, as we say, hey, run your race, is to fix your eyes on him and run. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Honor us as leaders by doing that. And we'll all be just amazed at what he's going to do as you continue to run with him. Chapter 11 shows us what that looks like with lived lives of faith. And they get commendation from God about that. But here, we're hearing the words. Jesus is saying, I am the author of your salvation. He's the one that started this process with you. He's the one that chose you before the foundation of the world. He is the one that goes way, way back. And he and the Father and the Holy Spirit said that there is going to be a life that is just like yours in this right location and in this right moment right now. And so I want you to think about where your life has been, where you were and how you got here today and why you're in love with him because he started it a long time ago, whether you're aware of it or not. And even now we can just turn to him and thank him. Even now we can say, oh, Jesus, thank you that you started something in my life all that time ago. In my mother's womb, you knew before I was even born. And this with you, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you did that before the foundation of the world. You were thinking about me. Blows your mind, right? What a mystery. This author, this pioneer, this source, this leader of your faith, he is so trustworthy. And we'll see on the next slide, he's not only the author and the starter, but he is the perfecter of your faith. He started it and he's going to sustain it and perfect your faith. He who began the good work in you. Often people will say, particularly about the church, oh, I left my faith, I left the church, I left my experience with Jesus because of that pastor or that group or whatever happened. Their pain actually points them to people. And what I want to say today is I know that we as people, we're humans and we mess up. And I know that that can have an adverse effect on each of us. And I know and have walked through pain as well. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? to love others that have hurt us. But today, people walking away from God, because so-and-so happened, something happens, or because a life group didn't call them, or because a leader forgot to acknowledge them, I'm not excusing that. I'm saying sorry that that's happened. But today, Jesus is saying to you, hang on, hang on, I started this and I will finish it. I started this in you, and I will perfect it. It will be complete. Your faith and your running with him will be complete. And I love that promise that he's the perfecter of our faith. It means that if I am let down, and I will be, it means that if I am disappointed, and we will be, and I'm going to let you down, and as I do... I want to say I'm sorry. I want to do the work with you and make sure that we are okay after that. But I also want to point you to the author of your faith and say he's got you during this. He's got you and he is the perfecter of your faith because he's the one that started it. He's the completer and he's the finisher and he's going to bring it to its conclusion and it's going to be joyful. 
because you will be with him in eternity. He creates and he sustains our faith. So you'll see that verse on the screen. I want to just claim that with you today. That to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Your parents may not be able to keep you from stumbling. Your family, your husband, your wife may not be able to keep you from stumbling. But Jesus is saying today, claim this, I will keep you from stumbling. He's saying that to us personally, and I just want to keep claiming that for every area where I feel like I might trip up, and I'll pray for you as well that that would be the same, that you know the truth, that he's going to stop any stumbles. You can remain faithful to him. He has promised that he will keep you faithful in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships. You can be faithful because he's going to stop you and keep you from stumbling. He's perfecting your faith. And you can look to him and say today, you started something in me and I'm going to trust you to perfect it. That's the race we're in. And even those, and we've all been there, who are entangled in sin or carrying those bowling balls or carrying the heavy weights that are not enabling us to run well, claim that promise today. Jesus, you said, you said that you'll keep me from stumbling. I'm going to claim that. You said, fix my eyes on you. And I have a race to run that is unique to me and unique to each of us and unique to us as a church. So for the joy set before him is the next, next part of that verse. The joy was you. He was so overjoyed to know that he would be sitting at the throne of God with his father and it would be all because of you. So Ephesians says that we are his inheritance. We're the prize. And so he did this and he gave so much of his life in endurance. He was covered with shame and yet it was because he really, really wants you to be able to come to him today. He wants you to be able to come to him tomorrow. And in the long race that we're in, he wants you to know this is a real deal. Everything that he has given, everything has been because of the joy that was set before him. So his race was set. He knew what the joy was. He endured that. And we now follow his lead on that. He started it and he will finish it. So when you think about Jesus, is he as real as that for you, that you would be like a child and just snuggle into his chest and allow him to hug you? Is your relationship that real? Cool. That's how real it is. And not only that, but he's also inviting closeness, but he's also saying, I'm also sitting at the throne, at the right hand of the throne of God. And so you'll see on that next part of the verse that Ephesians also says that far of all authority, all power, this same Jesus that hugs us close to his chest that we can lay and rest on his chest, hear his heartbeat, is also sitting on a throne where we here as flesh and blood are not aware half of the time of the spiritual war that's going on around us. But he is. 
He knows what's going to come for your race ahead. He knows how to get you through it. He knows how to keep you running. He knows that we're not alone in this. And he's saying today, we're not alone in the room here in the spiritual reality, but we're also not alone in the spiritual reality of running this race towards him. He's done it and he says you can endure as well for the joy of being with him. Can you picture it? Can you picture it as us as humans on earth with our levels of faith, different stages and phases, and things that we don't understand, but he's there on the throne saying, I rule over that and reign over that. So today, basically, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Run your race. Explore that with him. What does that mean? Is there anything you need to lay down? Is there anything that you need to get untangled from? Because there is a crowd cheering us on right now. There is a crowd cheering you on. And all we need to do is remember that through faith, through faith in him, he will get us to the point of eternal life with him forever. (laughs) It's not going to change. You are on the right path with Jesus in front of you. I just want to pray faith into you and claim your faith walk for this year would be filled with all that you need from Jesus right now. So in whatever way that you would like to receive that, if you just are someone that can hold your hand up like a gift, he's, he's going to minister to you. He's going to drop something in front of you, whether you see it now or whether you're going to walk into it later this week. And then we're going to have a moment just to enable people to come and get, receive prayer over here as well. Uh, but for now, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. You're initiating things you already have through the life of Jesus. And we thank you that he is the hero of our faith. He's the one that is sitting right now and saying, I've got you. He's the one that's on the throne right now and saying, I can see what's ahead. I'm going to give you all that you need. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come now and just move in close, empowering and honouring this race that each of my friends here are running. Would you just let them hear you cheering them on? You're the encourager, Holy Spirit. You're the comforter. Whatever they need right now, I ask that they would fix their eyes on Jesus and receive all that they need through the power of your spirit. So we just wait now, Lord. We wait for you to come and show us what it is for each of us to respond to right now. So just encourage you, just listen to his voice or listen to the story that he's creating in you. String you. Releasing you into a freedom. And so we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And I just bless each of you to run the race that he set before you with faith and acknowledgement that he is with you.